Two. This is Chaim Bravender, and uh, we're learning the parish of Pinchas. At the end of the previous parasha, the parish of Balak, we had the following uh, story is told to us. And uh, that story, uh, according to Rashi, has a backstory. So there are really two stories that are being told, and we have to kind of unravel them in order to understand what the Torah is getting at with this story. So the first pasuk says, just let me get the, uh, oh, this is excellent. Vayeshev Yisrael Shitim. Shitim is the name of a place. Vayachel ha'am l'znot et benot ma'av. That for some reason, even though what we've just heard is the uh, the prophecy of Bilam and the positive nature of that that uh, that uh, uh, prophecy for Bnei Yisrael? Nevertheless, the daughters of Moab, the Moabite girls, were uh, an object of prostitution. For the men of Israel, Vayeshev Yisrael, referring to the men, Vayachel Ha'amlis noted Benot Moab. That's what happened. That's something. Pasuk Bet says, Vatikrena La'am Lizivchei Eloheihem, Vatikrena La'am. And they called the people back together again to those who sacrificed to their gods. And they ate, they bowed down to the gods of Moab. They bowed down to the gods of Moab. I mean, so you see that that uh, what the connection is exactly between the sacrifice, the eating, the 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 genuflecting, all of that is going to be explained by Rashi. But the situation really is going to get worse before it gets better. Yisrael Baal is the name of a of a Moabite god. Yisrael, they they kind of connected to each other. Yisrael, and this is important. And God got angry. So there's a story. And the story is told. The story is told about B'nai Yisrael. Who were induced by these women to leave the... Somehow to get connected to idolatry. I mean, this is not necessarily what happens in these kinds of stories. But in this story, it happens. So Rashi takes the trouble to explain it to us. Let me just get to the Rashi. Let me get to the Rashi. Rashi says, Liz noted but benot Moab, you see, the, the second Rashi. Well, the first Rashi, first Rashi, but Shitim, it's the name of a place, Rashi says. Liz noted benot Moab, Rashi says, is the name of a parak, the last chapter in the 
Masechet called Sanhedrin, and there in the Gemara, it says that this was all induced by Bil'am. So the end of the story of Bil'am was that somehow Bil'am managed to do what he wanted to do, but not quite in the way that he originally had intended. He wanted to use his prophetic nature, his power, his prophetic power, as the weapon with which he would do in B'nai Yisrael. At the end, that didn't work. God had complete control over the words that Bilam would say. And those words regarding B'nai Yisrael were always positive, positive words. However, Bilam uh, was able at the end of the story to wreak havoc with B'nai Yisrael. And the Gemara says that this idea that the women, the Moabite women, would in, uh, would uh, create uh, this disturbance in B'nai Yisrael, al yidei atzad Bilam is what it says. Bilam instigated, so at the end you could say that he won. He did. He, he did an act, he managed to disconnect or disengage Am Yisrael from heaven, from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so Pasuk Bet says, the people of Israel bowed down to the Moabite gods. So, so Rashi's, Rashi's question, of course, is what does prostitution have with religion, to do with religion? So Rashi explains, Shetakaf Yitzro Alav, when a person's uh, evil inclination grabs hold of him, he says to her, to this woman who happened to show up, listen to me, follow me, do what I want. And she takes out of her bag. Uh, a kind of a statue of Pa'or, Mechika, uh, from her bosom, Vomeret Lo, and she says to him, so the women, he said, she says to him, bow down, I'm yours if you bow down, so that the women were trained to understand that they had a purpose the Moabite women, their purpose was to move B'nai Israel away from God in the direction of idolatry. And that's what, that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says and Rashi explains. So that's a story. There's a story about Bilam, about women, about prostitution, about idolatry. There is that story. Now we go back, back to the psukim, back to the psukim. Pasuk Gimel, Vayitzamed Yisrael Baal Pa'or, Vayichar Af Hashem Yisrael, and God was angry. God was angry by Yisrael. I mean, what does that mean, God is angry? I mean, so Rashi, Rashi says, Vayichar Af, 
אף השם בישראל, שלח בהם מגפה, he sent them this uh, plague. There was a plague that came upon B'nai Yisrael. In other words, according to Rashi, in the words of the Torah, but that doesn't mean that God, so to speak, expressed anger. But the Yisrael, those words mean that God punished the people. God, when we say God is angry, you're referring to an action. You're not referring to a feeling. I mean, God is not going to be angry or not angry. I guess that's what what Rashi what Rashi means. That's what Rashi means. Let's go back to the psukim. Go back to the psukim. One second. Okay. Pasuk David. Moshe. Oh, there's another actor. In the story of Yom Hashem and Moshe, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Kach, take, et kol ha'am, take all the leadership of the people, whether they're skenim or dayanim, I mean, take them. V'hoka otam l'ashem neged ha'shen impale them uh, to face God in the sunlight. And so Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, look, it's your job. You're the one who has to appease HaKadosh Baruch. You're in charge of keeping Am Yisrael intact. You, after all, that's your job. You're the one who is supposed to be able to do that. So Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, in this case, because of the extreme nature of the transgression, this is what you do. Impale them, put them up before the sun, and God's anger will be subdued. According to Rashi, according to Rashi, that means that the plague will be will abate. It'll just be reduced. Pasuk hey. And so Moshe Rabbeinu receives this directive. And Moshe Rabbeinu said to the Shoftei Yisrael, to the judges, Each of you is deputized to murder the, the people in your community who is acting in this unacceptable manner. Who are connected to Baal Pa'or. That sounds like the end of the story. That's the end of the story. Let's look at the at the Rashi. Let us look at the Rashi. Just one second. Rashi says this, take all the leadership, and so Rashi adds, they will judge them. What do you mean, well, there's a process, you know, somebody does, lishpot means to judge. A judgment is part of a process, and, and the process is 
Are they witnesses? Uh, were they warned? Did they understand what they did? Did I say what the punishment is? Mishpot is something that takes time. Anybody who's ever had anything to do with the Beit Mishpat or with the, with the Dayanut knows that what seems to us to be like a simple, straightforward kind of question can take endless amount of time. So that that word Lishpot is a very significant word. And it says that according to Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu called upon the leadership to judge them. And judge them means it's going to take time. And then impale them, those who worshipped the idol. So he says it's not to impale them, but it's to 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 uh, uh, to uh, sometimes the words escape. It's it's okay. He says he kliyah. You hang them. Kemoshe matzinu bivneisha. Well, there are other cases where the words hokatem or kanum mean to hang. Sham kliyah mefareshit bavodazarabe bavodazarah biskila v'haladiskalim nitlim. They were first they were stoned and then they were hung to make sure everybody understood that they were punished duly. Right for what they had done, neged Hashemesh, neged Hashemesh against the sun, le'ain kol. Everybody should see them and know what happened. The midrash Hagadah, Hashemesh, modia et hachotiim, ha'anan nikbal mitkinegdo, v'chamaz orechet alav. So there's this midrash that the Shemesh was involved in the punishment. There was no involved in the punishment. But it's important to remember, important to remember that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to do it. You have to do something. Moshe Rabbeinu said it to the leadership. You have to do it. And what do you have to do? You have to get the people who did this transgression, who, who had relations with these prostitute women, and then bring them to some sort of trial and punish them. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was told to do. He was told to do. Again, Moshe Rabbeinu repeats this statement and says, Each of the judges in Israel killed two people, killed two of the people who were involved. V'dayanei Yisrael Shmone Ribo. Ribo is 10,000. Shmone Ribo is, is 80,000. Shmone Dalafim, 88,000. Gideith of the Sanhedrin. Rashi gets his information from the Gemara. But, but for us, it's sufficient to say there were a lot of them. A lot of them. And they were all killed. Moshe Rabbeinu to the leadership, to the people who did what they did. Shoftim, they were judged, which means they had to check were there witnesses, was it was there a warning that was given, was it the question and answer period executed by these by these judges, and that's the end of the story, I think. Even though there 
we don't have punctuation that tells us it's the end, but that's the end of the story. Now there's another story, or it seems to be another story. And that story starts in Pasuk Vav. Let me just get the, uh... you know, sometimes I just lose my cursor. Surprised I remember that it's called a cursor. Here we go. Here we go. All is well. Pasuk Vav, the sixth Pasuk. There's another story. I mean, it's related, but it's a different story. One of the people of Israel comes along. He soon did the same, this person. Ish. Ish, I mean, it could be anybody. He came along and he came close to his, to the Midianite woman. And here the story is that it was Moshe Rabbeinu was watching. He saw it happening. And the eyes of all of the people of Israel. So it sounds like even though story one was told and they did what they were supposed to do, they violated killing the people who are transgressing somebody, somebody up the ante and made it worse, made it worse. It was like right in front of Moshe Rabbeinu, right in front of all of the open eyes of Bnei Yisrael, call it that Bnei Yisrael. And they're all crying at the opening of uh, the tent of meeting, right where the Beit HaMikdash, where the Mishkan, the tabernacle was. They're, they're, they're helpless. In other words, they were taking things into hand, I guess. They're going to kill the people who are involved. And somehow it doesn't work. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. You think that that executing the directive of Moshe Rabbeinu would create a situation which was getting better and better. But no, it got worse, worse and worse and worse. If we look at the Rashi, we look at the Rashi. See the Rashi Ba. In a Ishri Israel. Nit Kapsu Shiptoshel Shimon Eitzel Zimri. Shimon is a small tribe. A small tribe. And it's located, if you have the map in mind, you know, you know Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim and south. South of Beersheba, further south. That's all of that is Yehuda. Now, way at the bottom of Yehuda is the allocated area of Shimon. I mean, they weren't in Eretz Israel yet, but you just imagine you're talking about a very big tribe that surrounds and actually overwhelms a very small tribe. So even in the desert, you have to imagine that Yehuda was big, 
and Shimon was quite small, right? They came together, the whole tribe of Shimon, Echel Zimri. Zimri was the Shayana Sishalem. He was the, the, the prince of Shimon. Amrulo, Anu Nidonim Bimita, they said to Zimri, he said, we're going to get killed. And you're just sitting there and doing nothing about it. Kidiita, as it is related in the Perak Eilin and the Shrafim in Sajhenrin again. Eta Midyanit, who is the who is the female involved? Kozvi Batsu, that's her name. We'll see it in a moment. Laine Moshe. Remember, they were doing what they were doing, uh, and Moshe was watching them. He saw what was happening. Amrulo Moshe, what do you mean, Laine Moshe? So Rashi takes it as being an attack specifically on Moshe. It's not that Moshe was, was around. And Moshe Rabbeinu, he had, uh, uh, he, he was just looking and he saw something. No, 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 this was a specific attack against Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, the old story was everybody was going to get involved in idolatry and that would be terrible. But the new story was that there was an attack specifically against Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's included in these words, Leine Moshe, Rashi, Amrulo Moshe. They said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Zo Asura O Muteret, even though, even though prostitution is looked down upon, but you know that, that, that uh, having a wife or having a woman who is not a wife is not exactly something that is looked down upon. In the in the Torah, Avram Avinu had a wife. Yaakov Avinu had wives that were not really wives, but shifakot. So they say, they say, they Moshe. They say to Moshe Rabbeinu, Mulo Moshe. They said, Moshe, listen to us. So Asur this woman that I'm taking, that I'm living with, that I'm having a relationship with, am I allowed to do it or not? Vim tomar asura. And if you say that I am not permitted to live with this woman, that means it's over there in that Gemara in Sanhedrin, this story is told. But what is this story? What is the story that Le'ine Moshe means they purposely did it in front of Moshe Rabbeinu? Why did they purposely do it before Moshe Rabbeinu? Because, because they wanted to attack Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, not only were they involved in idolatry, not only idolatry means they valued the idol of the of the of the Moabites, but they also were deflating the power of Moshe Rabbeinu as the person who would lead them, who would tell them, who would bring them to where they wanted to go. The Hema Bochim, Hema Bochim, the pasuk says, they were crying. They were crying. I mean, crying is what you do when you. Uh, feel that you're powerless. Crying is 
not even a line of defense. It's it's kind of the hopelessness. The hopelessness, somebody dies, somebody's sick, somebody and you and you you have no power. That's Hema Bochiv. So Rashi says, this most wonderful Rashi, Nidalma Minenu Halacha. Nidalma Minenu Halacha. Moshe Rabbeinu forgot, didn't know, was unable to conjure up the well-known Halacha. Kol Haboel Aramit, Kanaim Pogimbo. Anybody who has relations with an Aramean woman, kanaim zealots, pogimbo, which means kanaim pogimbo. Well, what does it mean? It means there's no due process. If you catch them in the, you're doing what they're not supposed to be doing, you could just kill them straight away. You could kill them straight away. And Moshe Rabbeinu forgot that halacha. That's what Rashi says. The Dalmami Menu. He was unable. Kola bo bo el aramit kaneim pogimbo gal kulam bebechia. So they all were crying. Why were they crying? According to Rashi, because Moshe Rabbeinu was no longer in charge. Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to be able to save them. Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to be able to do what had to be done. Moshe Rabbeinu, when they built the golden calf, he stood up against 60,000. 600,000. 600,000. He destroyed it. He destroyed the golden calf. He made it into dust. The Khan. Rafu Yadav, and here in this case, Moshe Rabbeinu, his, his hands were weakened. He wasn't able to act. He wasn't able to act. Ella, Yedeshi Yavopin Chas, But it wasn't that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't act. For some reason, which Rashi does not explain to us, it was important that Pinchas should act, that Pinchas should take responsibility, that Pinchas would be the one who does what has to be done. So we go back to the Psukim. We go back to the Psukim. Pasukhet, Pasuk Zayin. New story. Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Kohen. A story about Pinchas. Up to now, we've had Israel parentheses. Bilam, Hashem talks to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu talks to the Shoftim. The Shoftim do what they what they what they did. But Moshe Rabbeinu, but but the Rashi taught us. Leine Moshe. Leine Moshe. They did it. Leine Moshe. They did it to detract from the leadership capacity that Moshe Rabbeinu had. They came with a question. How could you do this? I mean, you, could we do this? 
Well, how did you do that? How did you go to marry a woman who was not, who was not one of us? Pesuk Zayin, Pesuk Zayin seven. Vayar Pinchas, Pinchas saw. Pinchas saw. Vayar Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aaron Akohen. He's named. He's given Yichus. He's. Uh, He's not just anybody, even though we don't know too much about what he has been doing, but he's not just another person. Like Yaakov Mitocha Eida means he distinguished himself. He was different than everybody else. And he took a spear into his hand. The eighth pasuk, Israel He used the spear to kill. He charged with the spear against both of them. The man and the woman into their intestines. So there must have been a a magefa. It stopped Me'al B'nei Yisrael. He did it. He did it, but but it's hard to understand exactly what the story is. I mean, what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu's attempt to stop his plague that came upon them? What happened to Moshe Rabbeinu telling the Shoftim that they should, each of them, do process, kill two people, that, what happened to all of that? What happened to all of that? I mean, it all became just the act of Zimri and Cosby. And, and, and is it a continuation? Is it a different story? Basuktet. were died in the in the Magefa, in this plague. <laughs> Let's look at the Rashi again. Rashi. Vayar Pinchas. Vayar Pinchas. And Pinchas saw. Pinchas saw something. Ra'ama seven is halacha. He saw what was happening. He saw them living together. They were they were doing this insulting action in the right before Moshe Rabbeinu, indicating a kind of limit that Moshe Rabbeinu had a weakness on his part to deal with this with this problem. Rama seven is kahalachava and so Pinchas says to Moshe Rabbeinu, didn't I learn this halacha with you? Didn't we learn this Gemara in the yeshiva? And the Gemara said, that if somebody has relations with an Aramean woman, a foreign, not a Jewish woman, the, the zealots can do him in. Zealotry means instantly. It happens right away. Amarlo, so Moshe Rabbeinu, like, like Pichas is giving Musa to Moshe Rabbeinu, he's saying, 
We all know the halacha. We all know the halacha. So why don't you do something? Why don't you do something right now? It was Moshe Rabbeinu said to the leadership in B'nai Yisrael, he said, judgment, Beit Mishpat, the court will do it the way it has to be done. And, and, and while it's not in the story, but it sounds like Moshe Rabbeinu's plan, which came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, was not sufficient. So along came Pinchas, and Pinchas says, Pinchas says, Vayar Pinchas, like he had, a, he had an epiphany. Zahama seven iskar He saw what was going on and he remembered that it was covered by halacha. Halacha. mikublani mimcha. He says, "I I learned it from you. You taught me this halacha. There's no due process. You just go and give it to them." Amarlo Moshe Rabbeinu says to Pinchas. As I think what Pinchas meant to say was, Moshe Rabbeinu, you do do something. This is what you're supposed to do. Maybe you forgot. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're old. Amarlo, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Pinchas, Karyada de Garda, Iu lave parvanta. The one who reads the the law, the Geret, the letter, Iu, he himself should be the one who carries it out. Miyad, immediately, immediately. Why immediately, Miyad? Because that's the nature of Tanaut. Zealotry can only take place, can only be used at the moment. It's something that happens, right? He says, Miyad ve'ikach romach biyado. Moshe Rabbeinu, standing there, watching Pinchas solve the problem based on a halacha that he, Moshe Rabbeinu, taught to Pinchas. And for some reason, Moshe Rabbeinu is unable, is unable to act. He's unable to act. Uh, just a second. And there's a follow-up. Follow-up of the story. is my anger. We know that the anger is the Magifa, the plague that took place. So I no longer am angry at Bnei Yisrael, Baby Al Bnei Yisrael, Kinati, he acted, he acted. As a zealot, a zealot is is the closest to the divine, because if God decides to punish, God decides to punish it. It doesn't come with a with a bait mishpat. You don't go to court. I mean, it's I mean, God knows what the situation is. The courts are operating because it's not always true that we know the situation. He was the zealot. And a zealot is very similar to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have 
a court that decides. The decision is made in heaven. On the moment, at the moment, so, so Pinchas saved B'nai Yisrael because as things were getting worse and worse, the zealotry from heaven would be unconsolable. And the unconsolable situation in heaven would lead to the destruction of Am Yisrael, of the Jewish people. So, so Lachain, because Pinchas did it, I'm in Pasuk Bet, because Pinchas did it, Lachain, Emor, this should be said, it should be stated, it needs to at Briti Shalom. We don't think, don't think for a moment that Pinchas has now become the leader of the zealot, zealotry commission, that we're going to solve problems that way. <laughs> but the reward that Pinchas gets is <laughs> Shalom. And we all know that Aaron Akoin was known for his affinity to peace. And we know that the Birkat Kohanim, the bracha that was given to the Kohanim to state is a bracha of shalom. So that even though Pinchas solved this tremendous problem by acting as a zealot, and what does a zealot mean? No due process immediately, instantly, at the moment, the, 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 the judgment is carried out. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have done to Am Yisrael. And so Pinchas might have thought that he created a new political party in Israel, the party of the zealots, but that's not the case because the the what, what Pinchas received was shalom, was peace. Peace exists only if there's no kana'ut, if there's no zealotry. Zealotry is what makes it possible to hate each other. That's what zealotry is. And so, tachat, tachat, he, Pinchas, was zealous about the honor of God. But in spite of the fact that he did this tremendous act, he was not complimented for his zealotry, but he was complimented for Briti Shalom, the, the covenant the covenant of peace. So again, we have a story. We have a story. And I think it's fair to say that the story has two parts to it. There's the Moshe Rabbeinu part, and there's the Pinchas, the Pinchas part. The Moshe Rabbeinu part is the part of the story that has to do with judgment. Baiting, bait mishpat, a difficult, a difficult kind of situation when you're dealing with a with a national tragedy. The Pinchas part of the story 
the Pinchas part of the story is about how one person acting out as a zealot can sometimes save the entire the entire nation by doing something on the instant, on the moment, not waiting for the not waiting for the judgment to come through all the layers of uh, judgment that exist in the in the court system. But the third part of the story is that in spite of the fact that Pinchas ben Elazar saved the Jewish people, somehow quelled God's anger, enabled the story of the Jewish people to go on, Pinchas ben Elazar did not become the leader of the zealots. He became the leader of those who are looking to make looking to make peace. And as you know, as with all the things that we learn in the, in the Torah, there's certainly a lesson which you can take or leave. You know, you don't have to adopt every lesson, but it would seem that what the Torah is saying is, and that what Moshe Rabbeinu said is, Moshe Rabbeinu said, you know, if I do it, if I act as a zealot, then everybody will think that zealotry is a very important part of Torah. And I don't want that. I don't want them to think that. I want them to think that judgment, Beit Mishpat, the the court system, that's the important, uh, that's the important part of the of the Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu, so so Pichot said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Hey, you taught us this. You go and do it." And Moshe Rabbeinu says, "No, no, no. I think you should do it." Imagine that Moshe Rabbeinu said, even though Moshe Rabbeinu knew the Torah perfectly, he still didn't want people to make that mistake. So Pinchas ben Aaron, ben Elazar ben Aaron Akohen, you know, Pinchas was not yet known for his leadership abilities and qualities. He did it. He did it. We don't make a mistake about the relationship between peace and zealotry. The parish of Pinchas is rightfully the parish of peace in a difficult in a difficult situation and definitely not the parsha of uh, zealotry even though the zealot pinchas solved the problem he did not become a model for our uh, for our interventions in uh, in uh, modernity have a good shabbos all the best be well